Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. Hey John, it's Sunday afternoon and it's been a big weekend of sport in this household. Just got home from watching the kids play soccer, drive-in movie style, watching the games from the car. And it's really hard not to get emotional, isn't it? Yep, it is, Tiff. And obviously in, in COVID times, one parent can be available to be at the game, which was you today, and myself uh, sitting back in the car park. And in fact, got a reasonably good view today, which has been unlike some other games where I haven't been able to see it all. But it was really exciting to be able to, I guess, see it firsthand, but not to be on that sideline and calling out. I just got to do it in silence. I know. Actually, you and I are both quite, um, we have strong personalities. We're vocally supportive. Yes. Definitely. I know we do stay on the positive side. In fact, we're always positive when we make any comments out loud. However, I guess- Our children are sometimes adverse to it, albeit- other team members of their respective soccer teams have told us that they enjoy us and they, they get reinforcement from hearing applause or cheering when they've done something good. Although in the car on the way home, that classic in the car moment, one of our daughters did actually ask us for our thoughts on how she played. Yeah. And we look, we reinforced to her that we thought she had a great game. But as a team, we felt that in particular there was one thing that they're, they're not doing and that's working towards the goal and, and, and doing that together as a group. And that's okay. We, she asked the question and we gave her the answer. And she didn't really like what she was told. Perhaps not, but it was okay. It was all said with the right intentions. You know, it wasn't overly emotional. It was just feedback and she sought it in advance. But we also gave her the positive reinforcement that she'd had a great game and, and they did as a team. They played very well today. Yeah, they did. And despite I, not getting the chocolates. Yeah. I know, which is a bit of a shame. In saying that, I guess, you know, all of these types of conversations and watching games and trying to give our kids feedback and trying to work out kind of a constructive thing to say are all... And even just be available to take them. That's true. Pick them up, drop Mm -hmm. them off, grab their friends, Mm -hmm. do those things. Mm -hmm. Bring the lollies, individually packed lollies now. There you go. Mm -hmm. And these are all some, if not all, of the reasons we started Sports Parenthood in the first place. You guys may have noticed that we're doing things a little differently this week in episode 10 of Sports Parenthood. We got some feedback early on that after about nine or 10 weeks, mm. sometimes it can be a little bit, oh, same old, same old. So well, we, It's called pod fade, actually. There's a name for it, that well, after between seven and nine episodes that podcasts tend to fade into oblivion. So we took it right to the end, the nth degree or <laughs> the ninth degree. We did nine. And this is our 10th. And we hope that what you'll get from listening today is a recap on nine valuable golden nuggets of information we've heard from our guests thus far. Before we get into it, can we make some rules of engagement? What do you think, Tiff? We are not going to mention the word journey. I will try not to. I appreciate that you don't find that word enjoyable. However, I think Sometimes it's applicable to some of the things that we've heard. No, it's always your go-to word and I actually find it. Just, Would you prefer story? I do prefer story. 
as long as you don't lived come, experience. Lived experience, I think, is a really helpful phrase. But please steer clear of journey and probably even more so unique. Okay. I might drop it in once or twice. We'll see. <laughs> Can I just say, if you're a regular listener, thank you for joining us each week so far. Tiff and I have loved bringing you each episode. And in fact, if you didn't know, Tiff and I actually met on our first day of uni together at the Intro to News tutorial where we interviewed one another to find out a little bit more about each other. Yeah, that was a funny story, wasn't it? Indeed. We've, we've come full circle from uh, interviewing one another to having each other's children. So That's just getting weird, John. Well, it's been quite a story. <laughs> Hasn't it, too? Well, it's been a lived experience, it, that's for sure. <laughs> it has indeed. It has. What do you think we have aimed to do, Tiff, by having this podcast? Well, we wanted to bring quality interviews into your ears and, and actually into our ears as well because we certainly know and understand that we are going through this together, all yeah. of us. Yeah, we're just facilitators. Far from the experts. Mm. And we wanted to focus on the stories and those lived experiences. We really wanted this to be in, I guess, that tone rather than sort of a prescriptive tone. And yes. we hope that it's come across that way. Yeah. It's about conversations and you can pull from it what you want. Okay. So coming back to our nine nuggets of information or golden nuggets of information, we kicked off Sports Parenthood with an interview with Tracy Menzies Stegbauer, a decorated Australian swimming coach. Most known or best known or among known for coaching five-time Olympic champion Ian Thorpe. And our first golden nugget there is that traits of champions include doing things that others just won't do. Uh, I know I come from a football background and Tiff hates me referencing football as a reinforcement to anything that we're discussing. Well, it tends to be a default conversation. Look, it can be, but at the same time, I do think there are elements to most elite athletes in probably most codes that you can apply to life. And a couple of stories come to me straight away, uh, one of which is the 2003 Rugby World Cup with Johnny Wilkinson mm-hmm. uh, kicking a field goal to, to beat Australia. I think it might have been 20 to 17. You've got a freak memory for um, score lines. Fortunately for me, I was on the field as a police officer uh, in the World Cup final uh, and I was facing the crowd sadly as he – kicked that field goal because I could tell from the crowd's reaction what had happened. Uh, Having said that, he was someone that would kick goals on Christmas Day Mm. and that is few and far between and Mm -hmm. very – that's a champion effort Mm -hmm. and that's why you win World Cups because you're doing things that others won't do. Secondly, during my time at the Raiders, I remember David Shillington coming back from a Queensland camp and – following a game three win 21-20 by Queensland over New South Wales and yet another series in that eight in a row, uh, which was a nightmare for us New South Wales fans. And he reiterated a story from the Tuesday evening before the Wednesday game where training was over and Cooper was there kicking field goals. The other members of the team were saying, come on, mate, we're finishing up. We're going to go over to the movies together. And he said, no, I'm staying. Stayed and kicked 45 minutes of field goals on his own, well, I think with the staff member just kicking a ball back to him and lo and behold, it's no fluke. He, he kicks one from 40 metres out the next night to win the series. And, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful story mm-hmm. and a wonderful trait. Well, to be fair, I mean, the, one, the only really thing that we ever ask our children is, is about effort. 
and 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 putting in that effort. Um, and we often tell them if you truly want to have a, a career or a future in sport, that it does come down to that self motivation. It is, and no one else can do that for no. you. And we certainly can't. No. And no teacher, no coach, and we can all support those concepts. However, mm-hmm. we, we can't do it for you. Mm-hmm. We and can't run around the track. No. We can't r- swim up and down that black no. line. We can't do we those can't, sessions kicking balls through no. goals. Yeah. We can't do it. And we can't, we can't run 10 gaps in soccer waiting for the ball to get it once. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it yourself and, and find out those experiences and find out whether it's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. In our second episode, uh, we were really fortunate to speak to Melissa and John Trebojevic, uh, the parents of Tom, Jake, Ben and Luke Trebojevic. And our second gold nugget was don't look too far ahead. Weren't they great? I just love speaking with Melissa and John. I personally got a lot out of that conversation because I think we as sports parents, we do tend to, okay, well, they're doing well now. What's next? What's next? What pathway should we sort of uh, advise them to go on, you know, talk to the coach, what should they be doing next? And you know what? From that conversation, I actually really pulled back on my own thinking and it really sort of educated me into, you know what, let's just enjoy the moment with our children. Yep. And, and that was definitely reinforced by speaking to the boys the following week. Mm-hmm. But ultimately what it was is just, just to allow it to happen organically. Mm-hmm. And the boys' experience when they were young, was that it was all about the love of the game. Mm-hmm. And that obviously comes from their parents' attitude. Oh, absolutely. And, and that they were there to support, to drive them. Pay for the canteen pay bill. Pay for the canteen bill, a big one, as Tommy has <laughs> told us. Plenty of red frogs on the sideline at the moment of our Raiders. Mm-hmm. And to get that engagement with the club and something that they still have now that mm-hmm. the boys have even moved on and gone on to choose their own careers in different places. And find their own sporting niche as well. I mean, yes. obviously they've ended up in rugby league. It's got to be their dream, not mm-hmm. yours. That You know, the Jake sort of didn't start out in rugby league, did he? No. He, he had a year at soccer. It clearly wasn't his cup of tea in our daughter Miller's words. And next thing you know, he's over at the footy, found his way from the car over to the sideline, from the <laughs> sideline onto the training paddock, and 45 minutes later he's smiling like a Cheshire cat. And everybody knows the rest. He's now a state and international representative and a wonderful ambassador for the game. From speaking with the boys, we then had a chat with Dr. Diane Huxley. Di is a high-performance track and field coach and manager whose recent research reveals the evidence on the specific role parents play in the pathway from junior sport to Olympic and world championship representation. So golden nugget number four is, and based on the evidence, Kids should be sampling lots of sports before specialising. That was a key message that we've got from virtually everyone we've been fortunate enough to speak to, Mm. that they've all trodden various and different paths. Mm. The Trebojevic brothers played lots of different sports Mm. through their junior childhood as well. Mm -hmm. And I know that not only does the evidence that Di has found through her studies, but more broadly, Mm. I think it also really helps keeping a balanced mindset for parents and children, and it does make it about the enjoyment. Mm. And so based on that evidence and speaking with Di and and other guests as well, I guess that specialisation point comes at about the sort of 15, 16, 17-year mark from what they were saying? Yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously there are sports that sometimes demand 
a higher level of commitment maybe slightly earlier than that and if it's something that the child and the family together are prepared Mm. to commit to, Mm. then maybe that's true. Mm. However, it was key that albeit we're working on allowing our kids to have that broad representation, Di did say that it was important for us as parents that we know and are involved with the coaching aspect. Mm. Whether or not that's at elite or Mm. just junior level, that we know the coach, we understand what they're delivering Mm. and that they know us. Mm. It's not to be invasive. It's Mm. just to be present and to be engaged Mm. and understand what the kids are being taught. And I guess there are always exceptions like anything else. And I did mention that there was one child in her research that had was quite adamant from a very early and young age that they wanted to follow a track and field career. And I think uh, their parent or his parents actually probably tried to encourage him to do different things, but he was actually quite adamant that he wanted to stick with athletics. So I guess the lesson out of that is that I guess it let comes Let the kids down choose their paths. Exactly. And, and they'll let you know. If you're having to push them, mm. it's probably not where it's headed. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was really interesting as well. Absolutely. Our golden nugget number five came from Jennifer McMahon, an OAM. She's an Australian swimming gold and silver medalist at the 1990 Auckland Commonwealth Games, and she's dedicating her academic career to research in helping protect athletes from abuse in sport. I think the information that came from Jennifer, who had a wonderful career as a swimmer early on and had had the rug pulled from underneath her very young Mm -hmm. and has gone on to do some amazing things in the last 30 years since then, is that recognising and identifying in inverted commas, toughening the athlete coaching practices and being able to shift the focus to what the athlete does well. Yeah, so this has been, I guess, highlighted in the media. I mean, it has ongoing, but relatively recently through documentaries such as Athlete A and and you and I have both listened to a, a really intriguing podcast series by ESPN 30 for 30, so it's called Heavy Metals. So really sort of tapping into those toughening the athlete coaching practices and um, and I guess striving, the impact of that. Yeah, striving for Olympic gold medals at the expense of human beings mm, and mm. it can't be happening. Mm, um, it shouldn't I, be happening. No. And uh, I've listened to another recent one on, on Russian doping scandals and the, the structure and the organisation behind a really broad approach to you know, effectively cheating mm. to get to the Olympics and, and what happened to, to Russian sport and, and their Olympic dreams. And they were all at the expense of human beings. Mm. And it's just, mm. it's nothing that we can work towards. Mm. And it, it's certainly in our country, um, we're really well versed in that, uh, perhaps not so well in Eastern Bloc countries. Well, that's true. But I would argue that there are still a lot of coaches who are recycling coaching practices from probably a different era and that have not necessarily applying more contemporary yeah. uh, processes now. Look, being fortunate enough to work in professional sport as I do, mm-hmm. I've been able to see some very good coaches mm-hmm. and I know and I've seen adaptation from them mm-hmm. in changing what was in inverted commas once acceptable mm. and growing with the times and, and you won't succeed if you don't. Well, we've all changed. So, you know, I feel like the different generations that have come through are just not going to respond perhaps in the way that athletes in previous generations, and I'm not suggesting that they should have been put through that in the first place, but I don't think the tolerance level is there from parents or from athletes. No, it probably isn't. And we're certainly going to get more 
out of shifting that focus to the positive. Mm-hmm. Our next interview was with Dr. Deborah Latouf, a sports scientist, coach, and administrator, a representative masters athlete and sports mum who headed up the National Talent Identification Program at the Australian Institute of Sport um, from the early 90s, Mm. from about 1993, Mm. right through until the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. So Deb provides our sixth golden nugget, and that's that there's something you can't measure that That, sets athletes apart. And her stories around that were great, and if you haven't listened to that episode, we would certainly encourage you to. But the reference was ultimately to mongrel or X factor. And you can only determine those traits and feel them and see them. And and they become tangible when Mm. you're in the presence of the person. You can't really see it from a distance. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously being a sports scientist, she's, you know, she has a data driven driven approach, but she did say that there is that one thing that you can't measure. Yeah. And the, the two athletes that she focused her stories on around the mongrel or the X factor are very well-known Australian athletes who have succeeded at the, the top level of their respective careers. Yeah, it was really interesting when she said she turned up at a, at a tennis tournament, yeah. didn't she, I think around the 12-year age yeah. group that she was looking to identify a particular player and then what she found was another player stood out for, for yeah, these for reasons. All the ro- yeah, and for <laughs> these reasons only and her, because her physical traits didn't fit anything that she was looking for. Absolutely. But it was all about court presence. And, and we'll let you listen to find out who that was if you haven't heard the episode. But there was a reference to Angry Ant and yeah. this particular person slash player ended up going on to be a, a world, world number, number one. one. Absolutely. Amazing and still doing great things in Australian tennis today. Moving along to golden nugget number seven, which is from, or from Amy Fernandez, a three-time Olympic rower and current Deputy Performance Director at Rowing Australia. And his, we had a lot of, a lot of wonderful information come from Hamie that day. Uh, he's a wonderful storyteller. But ultimately what he said to us, what he's learnt, uh, firstly as an athlete and now as a deputy performance director and working in his chosen love for the last 10 years, is that talent development is not linear. Wow, I love Hamie's story. He, he can certainly tell a yarn. And, and for those of you who haven't listened to that episode, he actually grew up in the Northern Territory in Arnhem Land, so quite a remote place. He mentioned, um, you know, buffaloes and crocodiles and chasing them. I thought he was actually joking, but apparently there was truth in those stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think there, there actually was. And, and his first glimpse at, um, at rowing and rowing proper was – was turning up to a school in South Australia, unfortunately, after one of his brothers was diagnosed with a serious illness and the family had to relocate for treatment. And all of a sudden it's become his vocation and four years later he's in an Olympic boat. Well, I thought that was an interesting story because he grew up in an environment nowhere near the water and having no idea about rowing rowing as a sport in general and he didn't get introduced to the sport and it was only really by default, um, you know, throughout his life and particularly that point in year 11 and he went on to become you know a three-time Olympian but I think sometimes as sports parents we get caught up in a bit of a mindset that if you know our kids aren't on some sort of set path quite young that you know they're never going to make it so to speak and I feel like his story really um, showed and, and it shone through that that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely and he was a perfect example of what Deborah Latouf and Di Huxley told us repeatedly, and that is that just to allow your kids organically 
to go and find what they want to do. And he went out, played multiple sports and did multiple activities outside of sport and, um, and found his niche. Yeah, he was a really good example of um, having sort of grit. He called it grit rather than yeah. mongrel. Um, but, you know, but I guess it's the same it's sort of… Uh, resilience. Yes. Many words, same beliefs. Yes, just getting out there and having and a go. And it a crack. Mm-hmm. And he did talk quite a bit, in fact, about where his respect lay for athletes mm. and in particular the ones that succeed at the highest level that he has seen literally bite, scratch, crawl, and do mm. everything they can for that for that one extra inch, mm. and um, and he takes his hat off to them. But didn't he um have a funny story at the end in regards to his own children and his daughter Very. in particular? If you haven't listened Very. to that, oh please, it was hilarious. Please, please do. Given that he's a triple Olympian <laughs> and works in Olympic sport full time, uh, his daughter was given an award, and we'll let her tell you the rest. Well, I'll give you a little sneak peek. She was very impressed by the fact that she was given this award by an Olympic athlete. It wasn't the award itself that she was excited about. It was who gave it to her. And I think- um, I think her mum reminded her, you know, you know your dad's an Olympian, don't you? And apparently they said, yeah, yeah, but he's just dad. Uh, so I guess that, uh, that shows just from a sports parent's perspective that he sort of really knew- where, yeah, where his place is yes. as a parent. Yes. And he's able to segregate the two really well. Great. So in episode eight, we spoke with... Susie Ruthick. Susie is a clinical psychologist, uh, works currently with the Swans, and also has a special interest and expertise in eating and body image concerns, which are um, a really important subject and certainly one that's close to Tiffany's heart. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess what inspired us to reach out to Susie to become a guest on the episode was a number of listeners had reached out to me privately about some concerns they had for their own children, um, knowing that um, perhaps I had an understanding because I had suffered an eating disorder sort of through late primary school into high school myself. So it is that topic close to my heart and something that I was really keen to explore with um, with an expert. Yeah, and Susie is exactly that. She's such a wonderful speaker and she was really able to give me some really open insight into that, mm. a subject that I didn't know a lot about. Mm. And I felt that the key thing that she talked to us about and what to look out for was, and I highlight this, was, was change in mm. their kids. And that's in mood, in energy levels, in behavior, interactions with family and friends. And that can all be signs towards that something might be happening. Yeah, I think that um, that golden nugget number eight is really important because I feel uh, without that understanding, often the red flags might be in what a child is eating or an athlete is eating and the focus is really on that. And I felt like uh, Susie made it really clear that, you know, to look out for the change because that's something that, that may go under the, under the radar a little bit. Yeah, and that it's behavioural traits, not necessarily mm. straight eating. Mm. And also I think the reference that she made was around being flexible mm-hmm. and adaptable mm-hmm. and that when you go to a restaurant, if something in particular is not available on the menu, Mm. how they might handle that or how Mm. they might take that in their stride and just choose something else. Yeah, and the other thing that I definitely was familiar to me as well, that if, for example, your training may be interrupted or your child or your athlete's training might be interrupted, how they respond to that. Can they cope with that Um, and and what happens from there for them? We, uh, as I said, fortunately, um, being able to work in a professional sporting environment, it's often something that we speak about is that capacity 
to be adaptable to conditions mm. and that if the bus breaks down or mm. you relate to the game or whatever it is, mm. whatever comes our way in adversity, um, we need to be able to, you know, compartmentalise it, put it aside and then put our best foot forward in that training session or, or game, uh, mm. depending on what it was. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting conversation with Susie and, and, and she also speaks with lived experience herself. Um, and she was also a, a high level athlete herself, so yeah, she comes from that. Champion. Yes, uh, so she she comes from that perspective as well. And look, the reinforcement from someone who has lived it and has mm. that lived experience is, you know, there's there's no better mm. uh, knowledge to have, and obviously that makes it much easier for people who are talking to Susie mm. to to believe in what she's telling them. Just finally, what I loved about that conversation is um, she she really gave. Um, people hope in that uh, your recovery is possible if that's if that's something that you might be experiencing or and your child likely. or your athlete is experiencing uh, that there is hope and the treatment options are getting much better than they that perhaps were in the past so I, I really love that part of the conversation as well. We were very fortunate to speak to Susie. Um, finally in our episode nine we spoke to Kayla Nisbet. Kayla is a 10-year career jockey who has resulted uh, so far in more than 400 wins. What would you say her key message was, Tiff? Oh, I love lots about what Kayla was saying. Um, I, first of all, I love the energy that she provided to the interview. I, I love the thoughtful answers that she gave us. But I guess the thing that really shone through was, uh, you know, I know it can be a little bit of a cliche, but resilience um, and her ability to roll with the punches, which I feel like is applicable to all sports in every facet, in every yep. career, you know, if, in every if, moment, in every game, yeah. if you don't when you have get a that penalty a, against yeah. you from a, a yeah. year-long injury, a massive yeah. setback, a, a game lost that you desperately needed to win, whatever mm. it might be, mm. your capacity to get back up and to go again mm-hmm. and to be able to reference that, take some learning from it, mm. and move on. Mm. And I felt her message was was wonderful. In fact, uh, jockeys are are living a life that most of us. <laughs> can't possibly imagine mm. um she referenced it as a, as a life or a lifestyle yeah, as it was opposed to yeah. as opposed to having a bad day at the office and and going home and being able to separate yourself from it mm. often in sports are uh, like uh being a jockey or or rowing in or boxing or wrestling or anything that requires uh, a weight division mm. or you to look after yourself physically you can't get away from it mm. you go home in the evenings and you're living it then Mm. And perhaps you're living it right through to your next event. But where didn't she have a balanced outlook on that? Well, that was why we chose her. Mm. We chose her because she's experienced considerable adversity, mm-hmm. injuries, illness, mm-hmm. a female in a largely male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. and, and she's holding her own and doing a wonderful job and, and you know, sees great opportunity in post-career in the saddle, potentially continuing work in, in the racing industry, and we wish her luck. Absolutely. We love that interview. And I know based on the comments that we received um, on our social channels and on our website that other people did as well. I think we'd probably like to close this up by mostly, we probably feel like we're just getting started with Sports Parenthood. Of course we are getting, we're just getting started. This is just our 10th episode, John. Well, we hope so, but <laughs> we've been told and the reason we've done it this way is because we, we got told that you know sometimes after nine episodes, you might be on the old... <laughs> Pod fade. You're on the outer. Well, we just wanted to let you know that we're on the pod up. We certainly hope so. And your feedback so far has been overwhelming and 99% positive. 
I have received some constructive feedback and I've taken that on board. And thank you very much for those that had the courage to do that. And um, certainly all of that feedback keeps us going. Yes, it does. Because as you know, John and I are doing this um, as a, I guess, a side project, aside from our our kind of day jobs. And um, The one positive to come from COVID for us as a family? Yes. Maybe there was more, actually. I shouldn't say one, but one of. Yes, this has, has been a product of, of that period. So. Um, just we wanted to reference a couple of comments, didn't we? Did. we? And for example, uh, one listener uh, reached out to Tiffany in particular to say that he's listened to the interview with Deborah Latouf three times. Yes, he did. True story. And he came to me and told me because he kept getting golden nuggets of information each time he listened, which you know was music to my ears and, and really reinforced why we're doing what we're doing. It does. It does. And that's, that's why we're here. And if you do get the opportunity and you do get something from a particular interview, you often can, you know, miss something small and you can go back and it's like watching a movie again, mm. picking up something the second time round. And we've received a huge number of comments and lovely comments and messages about multiple interviews, including this one about Jaime Fernandez. So just I quote, uh, from this comment, this was the most fascinating storytelling session, Tiffany, John and Hamie. I was hooked from go to woe and could have listened to Hamie's experiences, wisdom and humility all day. What a brilliant role model and advocate he is, not to mention athlete and father. And we obviously have already waxed lyrical about Hamie himself, but I think his capacity to separate from being an athlete to being an administrator to being a dad is probably his greatest capacity. Yeah, he brings it, it actually brings a bit of a tear to my eye, as have many interviews, I have to say, which makes me happy that we're sitting behind a microphone and not um, people <laughs> not looking, face to looking face. at my eyes. I'm looking at you now. <laughs> uh, but what it really means is that we're actually all on this roller coaster together and we certainly feel that we've got many more interviews up our sleeve and we'll have one next week for you. And we hope you'll stay on the… Yeah, on the… We're not going to say the word. Thank you so much for your time so far, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers. Bye. That's gold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website, sportsparenthood.com.au, to connect. Catch you next week.